Well, good morning. It's great to be with you today, whether you're watching online or if you are uh, here on site. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to share with you about the life of David. And today, I'm going to be thinking especially about a prayer of David, a prayer that he prays in response to really the news that he gets from God's prophet, that the things he wants to do uh, are not the things that God wants him to do. And sometimes that happens in our lives too, I think, when we have our plans in place and we realize that actually our plans don't align with God's plans. So I'm going to read today from 2 Samuel chapter 7, starting at verse 18, David's prayer to the Lord. Who am I, sovereign Lord, and what is my family, that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant, and this decree, sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, sovereign Lord, for the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. How great are you, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. You have established your people Israel as your very own forever and you, Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promised, so that your name will be great forever. Then people will say, the Lord Almighty is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established in your sight. Lord Almighty, God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy, and you have promised these things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, Sovereign Lord, have spoken. And with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. I'm going to think today about what it means to be a church what it means to be a church. Church today is not the same as it was a generation ago because the world around us is not the same as it was a generation ago. And church this spring and summer has been very different from what it was just six months ago. In a world that has changed a lot in a generation and in a time that has been deeply affected, that has deeply affected how we are as a church, I think that this is a good time to consider what it means to be the church that God calls us to be. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus as part of his church? What should characterize our lives? And in what ways should our commitment to follow Jesus change us? Well, what did it mean so many centuries ago for David to be a good king? These were very good days for King David of the nation of Israel. He had been anointed and installed as the new king. And with God's help, he had regained the city of Jerusalem that had been taken by enemies. He had led the nation to victory against their most serious enemies, the Philistines. 
He had done the things that people would expect a good and powerful king to do. His actions were impressive. So impressive that God's prophet Nathan said to David, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But even God's prophets are wrong when they don't first seek guidance from the Lord. And Nathan was wrong. The next item on David's agenda was to build an impressive temple in which God would be worshipped. A temple that would be as grand as the palace that David had built for himself as king. David was beginning to focus on what he had accomplished, albeit with the Lord's help. And that focus on doing things was the impetus for his plan now to build a great temple in Jerusalem. David intended to continue to accomplish great things for the Lord. God's message in response through the prophet Nathan was this. I took you from the pasture and made you the king. I gave you your victories. I gave you a reputation of greatness. I did this not just for you, but I did it because I love my people and want them to be safe. And then God told David that actually he was part of a much greater plan, a plan so great that David would never see it all in his lifetime. God told David that he would not be building a temple, although a temple would be built someday. But it really wasn't about the temple that would be built. It is about the kingdom, the righteous rule of God that is being built generation by generation, century by century, in the midst of a fallen world where things like selfishness and violence and pride are destroying people. David was a great king. There's no question about that. But God reminded David that he was great because he was part of the plan that is so great that David could not possibly fully understand what God was doing. It isn't about what David had done or what David wanted to do. It is about what God has done and about what God wants to do. David's greatness was about his faith in God, his obedience to God, his humility before God, his heart that loved the things that God loves. And that is where we can begin as we think about what it means to be a church. It is about what God is doing for the people he loves. And he invites us to be part of his plan. It isn't about what we want or what we can accomplish. And it certainly isn't about our desires. It is about what God intends to do as part of his great plan to bring salvation and hope and eternal life. The real question is, do we want to be part of his great plan? Are we together, people of faith, who are willing to accomplish what God wants to accomplish through us by his power, just as he was accomplishing great things by his power through David? The world was changed for good through the life and the rule of King David. Not because David always did the right things, because he didn't. Not because David was such a gifted and skilled leader, although he was. The world was changed for good through the life of King David because David trusted God deeply, because David humbled himself before God and wanted to give all of the honor to God, and because David loved the things that God loves. God took David from the pasture and made him a king 
who accomplished great things and made David a central part of his plan of salvation for humanity because of David's heart. That's why I've chosen this prayer of David. David had expressed his desire to God, the thing he most wanted to do, and God said no. That must not have been easy for David. But in his response, his prayer to God, we see why David was such a central person in the plan of God to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus to be the Savior of the world. First of all, we see a recognition of God's grace. David began his prayer in response to God's message to him by acknowledging the sovereignty of God, the grace of God, and David's dependence upon that grace. Essential to being God's people is the understanding that He is a God who has given to us all that we have. That we are God's people, God's children, chosen to be His family, is an act of His sovereign grace. He is a God who gives to us. He is a God who loves us. The Apostle Paul, who we might identify in history as a very great man and an exceptional leader, time after time reminds us of the grace of God. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul the Apostle recognizes one of the great intellects of history. But he did not boast. He instead gave thanks to God for his grace. And having defeated his enemies and established his kingdom, David might have boasted, but he did not. Who am I that you have brought me this far, David says to God. He acknowledges the grace of God. As followers of Jesus, as a church, it is essential, it is absolutely essential that we acknowledge our complete dependence on God. That is increasingly difficult to do in today's world that focuses on individual achievement and puts God far in the background. To be faithful followers of Jesus Christ and together to be the church that experiences the power and the guidance of God as we are blessed to be part of God's great plan for the salvation of humanity. We must acknowledge and deeply depend on God's grace. By His grace, He has forgiven our sin. By His grace, He has made us His family. By His grace, He has chosen to work through us to carry out His plan and to bring salvation and hope and eternal life to our city and to our world. As David talks to God in prayer, he says, You know me. You know your servant. Because of God's grace, we can drop the pretense that characterizes our culture. We don't have to pretend to be people that we are not. We live in crazy times. (laughs) Just look at social media sometime. The posts and the profiles on social media are amazing. You look at people as they share their photos and their friendships and their travels and their activities and you think, wow, they live the perfect life. They have it all. And of course, social media can be a platform for performance. We try to put our best foot forward. We want people to see us at our best. 
so they'll like us. So they will choose us for the job or for the team. So they'll befriend us. So they'll invite us. So they'll be impressed with us. So they will not know the things in our character or in our past or in our attitudes or in our desires that we try to hide because they might damage people's opinions of us. As he prays, David knows that God knows. That God knows him. (coughs) God knows everything. God knows David's past, his mistakes. God knows the things in his life that he's ashamed of. God knows the times when he had sinned. God knows. And God knows everything about me, and he knows everything about you. And he loves us. And he forgives us. He accepts us. He helps us change. He chooses to accomplish his plan through us. Knowing all that he knows about us. That provides a wonderful sense of freedom. And that is exactly what Jesus talked about. There's a tremendous freedom in knowing that God doesn't love us because of anything we've done or not done, because of our performance. But God loves us because God is a loving God who knows completely everything about us and chooses us as his family and and as his agents of righteousness amid a troubled world that needs the good news of Jesus. That's the message that God has entrusted to us, his church. Our message is not, come and be as good as we are. Our message is, come and find the grace of God that we have found and experienced. (coughs) We aren't a church because we're good people. We are a church because we've trusted a good God who accepts us as we are by his grace. Third, we are linked to God's work in the past. (coughs) Every now and then I drive by Rivercross Mission uh, down on Main Street and on the front of the building is, uh, is the date, 1895. And I think of the people 125 years ago who trusted God and worked together, who made great sacrifices and worked hard to build an amazing building that would provide a place for Christian ministry and witness for more than 100 years. And I realize that really everything we accomplish today as Rivercross Church is connected to the faith of those people in the 19th century and, and people as well throughout the 20th century who trusted God and believed that if they lived lives of faith and if they were faithful ministers and witnesses for Jesus Christ, that God would carry out his plan through them. And that carrying out God's plan was much more important than their own personal ambitions. David realized that what he had accomplished was connected back to people before him. Back to Abram, who had trusted God to leave everything, to go where God had called him to go. David mentions specifically the faith it required for the people to leave behind the lives they had known in Egypt, to follow Moses to the land that God had promised. David knew he was part of something much greater. 
the people of God, that had been part of God's plan for generations before Him. And now today, we are part of that same plan to redeem humanity from sin. And we look back to the great cloud of witnesses in Old Testament times. We look back to Jesus, the Son of God who came to live as a man among us and to die in our place, that through His resurrection from the dead we might have eternal life. We look back to the apostles and to the early church who endured horrible suffering and persecution in order to establish the witness of the church in the midst of a pagan world. And we look back on more recent generations of Christians who prepared the way for the ministries of this church today and the people who invested in our lives as they shared with us the good news of Jesus and taught us from the Bible and prayed for us. In the midst of the individualism and self-centeredness of our world, David's prayer reminds us that people before us have been part of God's plan to prepare the way for us today. Of course, remembering that is actually the easy part. The harder part is that once we realize the effect of faithful people in past generations on us today, it then calls us to realize the effect that God wants us to have as we live by faith on generations that are still to come. In too many churches in Canada, that sense of the importance of maintaining the church's witness for future generations has been lost. People get focused on what I want, what I like, what I enjoy at church, instead of wanting what God wants. But the church isn't about us. It is about what God is doing and will continue to do through His church for His glory. In the book of Revelation, Jesus warns churches that are not faithful, that He will remove their lamp from their midst. In other words, the light of the gospel will no longer shine through that church for those who need it. Their children and grandchildren, their neighbors and co-workers and classmates, whom God has called this generation, us, who are part of His church to reach with the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Next, David realized and acknowledged that he could not take credit for the nation that Israel had become. It was God who established the nation of Israel as a central part of His plan of salvation. As Jesus called his earliest followers to carry out his mission, he said to them, I will build my church. Jesus has done that through all sorts of people, through the centuries, and he continues to do it now, even here, through us. The church is not the result of human effort. It is the supernatural work of God as he works through us to accomplish his great plan. That means, as David clearly realized in his prayer, that we should give all of the honor and glory to God for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do through us as his people. Jesus is building his church, and he's doing it through us as we put our trust in him. And then, David has the audacity 
to have confidence that God will forever continue to accomplish his plan, and he prays that he and his descendants might continue always to be a part of that plan and that they would be blessed by God. You know, as I think about the world we live in right now, I don't have a lot of certainty about future events. I have no idea what's going to happen in the future. The world seems like a pretty crazy place. COVID-19 was a surprise to those who thought life was predictable. And every day, the news reminds us of the craziness of the world that we live in. So I'm not confident in this world. But I am confident in God. As God's people, we can live in this uncertain world and in these uncertain times with all of the challenges and have complete confidence in God that He will accomplish His plan. And that's what matters more than the interest rates or the stock market or, the, or our health or anything else. And so, are we ready to pray like David prayed? I don't mean that we should use David's words as a pattern for our words as we pray. I mean in the sense that we depend completely on the grace of God. That we live in the freedom of knowing that God knows everything about us and loves us. That we understand we're a part of God's great plan that has been at work through people who went before us so that we can make a difference for, for the generation that will follow us. That we should give God the glory for all that He has done and that we can trust the future completely to God. Living with confident faith in the midst of a sometimes chaotic world. That is what the church is. People who trust God and understand they were part of God's great plan. Let's pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are a God of grace, a God who has accepted us, a God who has made us part of your church and part of your plan. Help us to be people of faith, that we might trust in you, that we might realize the ways in which you want to lead us and work through us to accomplish your will, that we might be confident as we look to the future, knowing that Jesus Christ will build his church, no matter what happens in our world. Thank you that you've made us part of your church. Thank you that we can follow our Savior, Jesus, and share the good news that he has given to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.